All right. It's Father's Day this weekend. And, you know, I like to talk about prostates, penises, testosterone, and fathering. Uh, on this po podcast episode, I talk about three things I learned uh, this past year with regards to my kids and the pro my process of being a father. I didn't always get it right, but hopefully, hopefully I, I will. So three things I learned this past year on being a father. Let's go. Welcome to the Dr. Geo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Geo, where it is my intention to help you with your prostate health and how to live better with age. It's that time of the year, Father's Day. Father's Day is coming uh, this weekend. You know, there are <laughs> really only a few things that I can talk about with any level of certainty that I have an idea of what I'm talking about, right? Uh, one is um, things related to prostate health, urological problems, men's health, and the other is on being a parent or what I like to call fathering the process of being a father. And um, I, I take a lot of joy in being a father. I think that is a job that, um, that is the most important one, a most, most important job. And one that I, uh, I, I find a lot of pleasure in, uh, I, say it, <laughs> I say pleasure with some hesitation because obviously um, it's not always great, right? There are times where things are going on and kids are acting in a certain way that, oh, man, I, I don't want to deal with this today. I, I just don't want to deal with this today. And and But, you know, that's part of the process, right? That's part of the job. So there are three things that I learned this past year. Um, and, and every year I either write about uh, on my blog, drgeo.com, and I trust that you are a member of that community, of that newsletter, drgeo.com, because as you know, I, I give extra goods uh, twice a week to that, to that community. Um, so sign up, please. Um, I find that, um, you know, once a year I write about fathering or now it's as uh, uh, we're approaching our, uh, 18th month of podcasting. So well, we talk about it um, and things that I learned throughout the years. Um, you may want to look at or listen to uh, last year's, which I primarily talk about um, what to do with teenage girls. I think you'll enjoy that. And I'll, and I'll post it everywhere. So this year, three things that I learned with regards to fathering, right? My approach. By the way, this is my approach. There is no one way of being a parent, right? This is my approach. I think that we all want to be better parents, right? Um, and everybody has a different approach. Uh, and this is my approach, which may be able to help you in some way, shape, or form, okay? So this past year, this is what I've learned. So remember, I have a 10-year-old boy and two teenage girls, one is 18, the other one is 19. So the approach with how you father changes as your kids get older, right? Um, so that's the stage that I'm in now. 
10 uh, year old boy and uh, 18 and 19 year old girls. So with our 10 year old boy who plays sports, and I, I, I've spoken about this and written about this, where I think that um, sports is important for kids to participate in. Now, it could be a major pain in the butt for the parent, right? Because, you know, um, it's time consuming or it's costly depending on what sport they play. So um, it's not easy, but I think it's very important. And it's important. Sometimes a kid is like, okay, I don't want to go, or I don't want to do that, or I don't want to play that. And and it's like, come on, let's go. So the, a lot of back and forth. It's just energy consuming, right? So I've had that scenario with my kids a few times um, in the past. Um, so our 10-year-old boy plays uh, soccer and baseball. He's on a travel soccer team and a local recreation baseball team. And I tell you, with one of the sports, he's sort of lost a little bit of interest. Uh, not so much because he's, uh, he might have lost interest in one of the sports, mo uh, soccer, uh, a little bit. And, and it's more into baseball. So when it comes time to soccer practice, and remember, this is the, this is the sport he plays um, uh, for a travel team. Uh, so it might be a little bit more important than recreational baseball. Um, he sometimes doesn't want to go and we have a new coach and so forth. Maybe the coach and my son, are, they're not vibing, whatever. Okay. So we've gone through the period uh, to, to the, uh, through the situation where I don't want to go to practice. I'm like, Oh, here we go. Right. All right. So, but that's not the point of, of, of what I want to say in terms of the kid wanting to go, but I, I, Part of the point is that, yeah, I, I do think, right, sports is important because, you know, I think that kids, uh, many kids are um, not challenged and, you know, like, you know, not punched in the face, right? So I think kids need to learn how to react when they get punched in the face. Obviously, I'm using that term metaphorically, right, with life, with with when, when things don't go your way, uh, when, when, when you fall, when you get hit, when you get elbowed, um, um, you, you, you need to know how to react and how to respond, right? And that comes to training. And I believe there's transference from sports to life uh, to some degree or another, probably not 100%, but I think that what they learn in sports, particularly team sports. So one of the things I would recommend is at least one team sport for some time. Some kids are more of an individual sport type where they like to either do swimming or uh, or um, or tennis or whatever individual sport. They're more of that type, no problem. But at least for some time, I think it's important for them to participate in team sports, right? Um, so my son uh, plays baseball as well, and I, re I I noticed this past year that uh, during a game, you know, he sort of did worse when I was around, uh, which is most of the time when I went to the games. A few times where I was not at a game, he sort of did a little bit better hitting the ball and things like that. And every time – and, of course, I'm not uh, the father – I'm not the crazy dad out there, right? Hey, come on, come on, do better. You know, uh, you know, I don't do a lot of that actually, but I, 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 at the time, earlier on in the season, I, I, I did say encouraging things. Hey, 
All right, you're going to do well, buddy. All right, hang in there. All right, two strikes. All right, swing at strikes. All right, elbow up. Uh, uh, you know, good throw. You know, he's a catcher. So good throw to second. Uh, you know, look out, you know, all these instructions. So every time he sw- swung and missed, he looked for me and kind of looking for my approval. And I said, my God, he does worse <laughs> with me around. I, I had to right, acknowledge that. So I looked up, I had to look it up. I looked up an article by a psychologist where it kind of said, you know, if you are trying to have your son do better in baseball, so that's what I Googled, you know, best dad approach. I forgot what I Googled, father approach for kids and sons in baseball, whatever. Article came up that I thought it was very good. And the article said the following, more or less, I'm paraphrasing. The article talked about even if you're saying positive things, even if you're saying good job, even if you're saying, you know, elbow up or whatever, you're still implying to the kid, or at least the interpretation to the kid is, I want to make my dad proud. So I'm going to do something. The outcome that I'm looking for is not to hit the ball, but it's more to make my dad proud. Right? So if you say nothing positive, certainly nothing negative, the kid might do better and sort of own his own motivation to do better. Right. And ultimately, what you want your kids to do is to have what's called intrinsic motivation. Right. So motivation to study because they should want to study because they want to do better themselves. Motivation to do better in sports or whatever because they want to do better themselves or in chess or whatever. Right. Ultimately, that's what you're looking for. And I've screwed up quite a lot with giving all my kids instructions and uh, yelling things in a a supportive way, or at least I thought it was, where saying nothing uh, might be best. I I remember when my daughters played soccer and they used to look at me and and there were times where I didn't say anything, but they saw the expression on my face, like shaking my head um, side to side, like, like, no, like, like disappointment. And they've always picked up on that. Right. So even your expression that you might be displaying without even knowing might have an impact. So what I've done is with him in baseball is when he's up at the plate, I just go really far away. I can still see the play and so forth. Uh, but I I go far away. I I just don't want to be around because my, instinct is still to say something. So I just go far away and let him figure it out, including, you know, when he gets hit with the ball or whatever, you know, typically most kids that get hit with a baseball do fine. Before we continue, let's give a little love to today's sponsor. You know, I always say no man wakes up in the morning and says, wow, I can't wait to get that prostate biopsy today, right? (laughs) No man does. And the PSA test, we know, is not the greatest screening tool for prostate cancer. Well, now we have the ExoDX prostate test, which is the only risk assessment tool available as an at-home collection kit so patients can provide a specimen in the comfort and convenience of their home. The ExoDX prostate test has been included in the NCCN guidelines since 2019 for early detection of prostate cancer. And it's a simple, no digital rectal prostate exam required urine-based test for men over 40, or if there's a PSA roughly in that gray zone between 2 and 10 nanograms per milliliter 
to determine if you indeed need a prostate biopsy. So ask your urologist about the XODX prostate test. The first point is, if you're a parent or a grandparent of kids that play a sport, it's best to say nothing, and it's always best to um, uh, to uh, for them to, uh, to for you to encourage them by saying how, how was the game, how did it feel, you know, how do, how how did you how did you think you did? So one of the things we do do after a game is I have him rate his performance. And I do give them a rating, which I might be defeating the purpose as well. So maybe I'm screwing up again, right? So he would say, I think I got, but he always uh, actually gives himself a lower score. So he says, I think I, I got a B. And I would say, no, you got a B plus because you actually, you know, you swung at strikes and blah, blah, blah. So you got a B plus. Uh, so that's part of the process. Again, I'm not saying this is the right approach because <laughs> I don't know, but I'm saying a big takeaway is to probably not say anything or much as the kid is playing their sport. Uh, careful with your body language, which may, they may interpret as either disappointment or something. Um, and um, whether or not you want to talk about it after the game, uh, I, it's up to you. Again, our approach is, all right, how do you think you did? And have them self-evaluate that. It's more about um, learning about self-evaluation and team sport and, you know, um, the hardness of sports and athletics and to, how to deal with that than winning a game or performing well necessarily. That's my approach. So it's number one. Sports are important. Put them in sports. Put them in a team sport if they are an individual type of player for some time and um, say nothing <laughs> while you're standing on the sidelines. Some parents, good God, some parents are yelling up the wazoo. It's like, well, you know, and, and really just doing harm to kids. We've all seen it, right? Uh, what are you doing? Come on. Come on. You know, like screaming all kinds of nonsense. So don't be... <laughs> Don't be that guy, right? Don't be that guy. So that's that. That's number one. All right, number two. As it relates to teenage daughters, and I think I've said this before, Bert, but it's become even more important and more apparent than that this is what we need to do. As it relates to teenage daughters, you really want to know what's their story in their head on any given day that they're telling themselves about themselves that might not be true. But if you wait long, if, if you wait too long to fix that story, then that story will become a belief to your child, to your daughter, to your teenage daughter or teenage granddaughter. And then once it's a belief, it's very difficult to change. And then they act based from that belief, right? So they are acting in a certain way. Now that they, it's very difficult to say that they're acting in some weird way because of some belief that they created some time ago, but that's what ends up happening, right? So, or they have, you know, anxiety or depression, right? So I often type, oftentimes talk to parents and um, the conversation that I, uh, uh, about teenage daughters, uh, I always say, you know, I think that teenage girls have 
some level of anxiety and depression. They're somewhere somewhere on the spectrum. So it's not a matter of if they have anxiety and depression, is where are they on the spectrum on any given day? I think that's where we're at. And we want to be honest with with that and that conversation. So it's not that they don't have it. They do. Where are they on the spectrum? Right. And part of the reason why they uh, feel a certain way is because um, they've learned to think poorly about themselves in one way or another. So not pretty enough, um, not thin enough or not a big enough butt or, you know, now boobs or not this or the other, not smart enough, uh, anything. And. Yes, I think it's pretty clear now that a lot of that, a lot of that is coming from the Internet and social media. So social media has been, um, I believe, harmful for girls specifically, particularly girls. Um, So they're getting all these ideas from social media and how life is better for everyone else, but not for them. Right. Life is not good for for them. Life is always better for everyone else. Meanwhile, of course, we know that likely the person posting is not happy or whatever or is filtered or they look prettier because of filters and so forth. However, that they keep looking at these messages that um, with subliminal information that they're gathering about how they're just not good enough. So our job as fathers, and I say fathers because... I'm a father, maybe uh, mothers as well. But sometimes we all know that there's, there could be a clashing between mothers and daughters for reasons that is beyond our conversation today, right? But there's that clashing. Sometimes maybe because of gender differences or whatever, um, we have a better ability to communicate with daughters. Um, I think that is our job, if not daily, three, four times a week to try to figure out what is their story in their head that you need to know about where you need to fix that story before it becomes a belief. Fix the story. How do you do that? Again, I don't know that I know have all the answers here. Um, I'm posing uh, an idea for you to uh, figure out on your own. Uh, What I do is I talk to them every day, right? And sometimes they're ready to talk and sometimes they're not, right? And I talk to them every day and I say, hi, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing okay. What's going on? Well, you know, it's not I'm doing great. Oh, my God, I'm doing that. I'm doing great. And even when they say I'm doing great, sometimes it's like you're hiding or something, right? So you really don't know all the time. But if they say I'm doing great, I'm going to take that for face value because, uh, so far, every, t- every time they've said they're doing great, they, they more or less are. But in other times, oh, everything is okay. Oh, I'm just stressed. Okay, stress over what? Oh, school. Okay, what's with school? And sometimes they'll say things that is not the thing, right? So I'm stressed over school. Oh, what about school? Uh, nothing. Well, it could be a boy issue, right? It could be that they think that they're not blonde enough or curly enough hair or whatever, because a boy issue or some other girl, anything. So they'll say school, and I don't automatically think that it's uh, related to academics, though it can. 
right? Particularly it's like, if it's like the beginning of the semester, right? Uh, it, it's probably not academics <laughs> if it's the beginning of the semester. If it's towards the end of a semester where there's finals and a lot of pressure, yeah, maybe, maybe that's, uh, 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 it could be related to academics. So, uh, I'm, and then all of a sudden you see, oh, I'm not pretty enough for this or breakup. By the way, they need to feel things. Our daughters need to feel rejected. It's not a matter of, of them not. So you don't want to say to them, hey, oh, no, you're pretty anyway. You are. Or, or you can say that to them, actually, to because they, that would be valuable. But let them feel stuff. Let them feel what it's like to feel rejected or, uh, you know, you, to feel the pain and the sting of being rejected. That's fine. But when it's constant and a lot of it coming from social media, then it's a problem. So then you always want to, I believe anyway, you want to have the conversation of, and I have this conversation with my daughters all the time. Hey, be careful with social media. They're always trying to make you feel, you know, well, the more you're on, uh, the more you're going to feel, uh, you know, less of yourself. It, it's just the way it is. So be careful with it. You manage it. You control it. It does not control you. And it's constant. Constant reminder sometimes is an annoyance, but that's okay. That's okay. Okay, so number two is find out what your daughter is thinking and what's in their head uh, that's not true, that it might become a belief and that that belief might be more difficult for them to change later on. And they start feeling a certain way, mental health and all these things. That's number two. Number three is um, as kids are going to their junior year and senior year in high school, which we've gone through that, is um, that um, the process of applying to college and going to college and things like that is very arduous. So you have two types of kids, kids that really want to go to college and are they're going to stress over it. There's no question about that. Or the kid that doesn't really care, right? So Neither is good, right? I'd rather have the kid that cares or they don't have to go to college, right? That's perfectly fine too, right? There's other ways of getting educated and trade schools and things like that, and it's all good. But the college process, which we, we've gone through for the first time, is really arduous and, um, and difficult, and kids are thinking less of themselves. So I find, I find, and I found that oftentimes that's induced from the parents, right? Parents wanting their kid to go to Harvard or any Ivy Leagues or their, the school that they graduated from and things like that. And what I would say is let them live their own life, right? Let them live their own journey. Let them find out who they really are as people. They need to learn who they really are, right? And learn about themselves, I think the four years, four years of college is not about what you're majoring in or what you plan to study or any specialized focus. It's all about, it's all about the intersection of disciplines and figuring out how everything is related and interrelated and to learn about yourself and what kind of human are you. I think that's more important as opposed to this one track and looking at you know, looking at the trees rather than the forest. No, kids need to look at the forest, particularly the way the world is changing. Okay, so that process is arduous, the college process. Um, um, they don't, you know, figure out 
um, how they can sustain as much uh, mental health as possible through that process. For example, for us, we opted for our kids not to take standardized exams. And I know there's a lot, most schools um, would say that they're test optional. They're not. A lot of schools are not. They say it, but they're not. And that's okay. That's not the right school then for my kid. Okay. Um, not having to go through t these tests that mean nothing, right? These standardized SATs, ACT mean nothing. They don't mean that the kid is smarter. They don't mean that the kid will be more successful eventually. They mean nothing. Well, and uh, what it does is it just causes more stress and anxiety, which they already have. Then we, uh, we chose to opt out. And so far, we're happy with the results. So we'll see. Why? Because the results don't matter. <laughs> Just raise, you know, you're trying to raise good kids. Um, where they go to school might not matter as much. So through that college process, keep all these things in mind. Lastly, I'll say about the college process is this. The term that is used to define them themselves not getting into a school is rejection. I got rejected from so-and-so school. What is that? Rejection? And that's the term that all these kids use. I got rejected. There is a lot of power in words. We would not feel good and as adults and their parents if we were rejected from anything. And if we use that word, imagine a teenage girl, rejection. So the term that we kept using um, that it took time for it to catch on, but it did to some degree, is redirected. We got redirected. Redirection is a better term. Okay? Um, and that is it. And I just want to wish... All the great dads out there and great grandfathers, uh, uh, very happy Father's Day. Yeah, I know Father's Day is every day, uh, but you know, one day to to to, to being acknowledged of uh, of this so important work uh, as a father. I think it it it's good and um, have a great time. I hope you're spoiled. <laughs> I hope you're spoiled for Father's Day and have a great time and. I'll talk to you next time. This is Dr. Geo signing off. All the best. Our next sponsor partner has a product I use literally every day. I'm talking about AG1. You know, I've been using green powders mixed in drinks for a long time. and It has not always been a great experience, right? The powder clumps up a little bit. It tastes horrible. But you know what? You chug it anyway because it's good for you. AG1 changed the game. With in AG1, you have 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day the right way. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, and energy to help you recover and focus and help you age successfully. To make it easy, AG1 is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. 
All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Dr. Geo. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash Dr. Geo to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dr. Geo podcast. You can watch all episodes of this podcast and much more by subscribing to my YouTube channel on youtube.com forward slash Gio Espinoza ND. If you love what you heard today, you can help by leaving a five-star review of the podcast on Apple and Spotify, as each review helps us reach more men who are serious about improving their urological health and how to function better with age. And for the latest research and actionable takeaways in the world of men's health and integrative urology, sign up for my newsletter at drgeo.com. I'll see you next time. And now for a brief disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and we're not forming a doctor-patient relationship through this medium. The use of the information and all links associated with this podcast is at the listener's risk and is not to replace medical advice from a physician or a healthcare practitioner. Lastly, thoughts and opinions related to this podcast are my own and may not reflect the views of any institution or organization I'm associated with.